Live in studio, am I happy to see you because uh, we've met before, but only over video hookup. Paul Sung-Hyung Lee is here of so many shows, but just to remind people, Kim's Convenience, The Mandalorian, and you're a huge Star Wars fan who got to be in Star, a Star Wars movie. Right, yeah. right. Dream and a Star Wars TV show. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's just to be in that universe is, is something just mind-blowing. Right? Yeah. Like, and you're at a tier of acting where um, there's a lot of actors who just live and work in the same city. So if a production comes here, you'll get cast. Mm -hmm. But I mean, they're flying you all over the world to shoot stuff. <laughs> well, just America so far. But uh, yeah, no, it is. Uh, I mean, primarily, most of my, my career has been here in Toronto, right? Uh, Toronto has fantastic infrastructure, great crews, great facilities, and a lot of work has been here for me. So there hasn't really been a need to sort of go anywhere outside of Canada. Um, but uh, lately, uh, there's been a bit of an uptick. So working in the States, working on the West Coast, has yeah. been an interesting change. Well, where do they shoot uh, Mandalorian? Was that in they Vancouver? Shoot that, no, they shoot that in Los Angeles, actually. Okay. And that's the first time I've ever shot on U.S. soil. Uh, I've done American productions, but usually shot up here in Canada. But down uh, doing doing uh, The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and Ahsoka, they're all shot in uh, Manhattan Beach, just uh, outside LAX in Los Angeles. Do you like living in L.A.? I, I, I visit there. Yeah. So I love visiting L.A. I I don't know if I could live there, though. There's something about, I mean, I'm a, I'm a homebody. I love Toronto. Toronto is home. Canada is home. And so there's something very comforting about being someplace that is really, really familiar. And I get the vibe up here. Yeah. But I love the weather down in Los Angeles. It's, it's hard to deny yeah. that. And there's a certain spirit of let's get things done down there, which is exciting and intoxicating. And I totally understand why younger actors want to go down there, because everything is possible. Yeah, I, I don't know why it is, but L.A. is the only place I enjoy being in a traffic jam. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like home. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the occasion of your visit this time is Avatar The Last Airbender, which has been around since 2005? That's right. It's the original animated form. It was a Nickelodeon cartoon series that debuted in 2005, ran three seasons, or three books, as they call it, and it was a smash hit. Uh, there was an entire generation of people that grew up watching it. That was their, their morning cartoons. You know, you and I, we're of an age where Saturday mornings, that's where the cartoons oh, yeah. were. Uh, for them, because there are no more Saturday morning cartoons, they're just cartoons. Remember the magic of that? Get oh my up, God! Your parents are still asleep. Yeah, you're, you go you're, down, turn on the TV, eating that cereal, sugary cereal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so an entire generation of people have grown up watching the show, and they're now adults. And uh, so this has gone on. Uh, this, you know, the, the the lasting impact of the show is phenomenal. And uh, this is the second attempt at a live action adaptation of this. First time uh, in an episodic sort of mini series format. Uh, the previous version was in 2010. It was a movie by M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Um, and it didn't do well. Did not do well. Did it have a surprise ending? <laughs> well, I think it was one of those type uh, of movies where they, they wanted a trilogy of movies, you know, based on a popular IP. We're going to do a trilogy. You know, the first movie is going to encapsulate the first season of this cartoon. And uh, it, it's a difficult task when you try to condense 22 episodes of a uh, half hour content into an hour and a half movie. Like, it's almost an impossible task. And so that's why I think Netflix, they, they took on the challenge of, of expanding that and trying to do uh, service to the uh, to the story by giving it eight, ep eight one hour long episodes. Okay, now I haven't seen it yet. I'll apologize. No, don't worry. So tell me about the universe of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, Avatar, it is uh, set in a fancy world that is heavily inspired by indigenous and Asian cultures. Uh, there are four different sort of cultures in involved. Uh, they're the Air Nomads, the Fire Nation, the Earth Kingdom, 
and the water tribes, and they each have a particular ability in which they can control elements, obviously air, wind, fire, and earth. And those, those are the benders. Not everyone can bend, only certain individuals can manipulate these, these elements. And there is um, a, a balance in the world that is created uh, by the avatar, the one being who can, create, who can control all four elements. And this avatar brings balance to the world and is able to um, uh, basically bring peace. And what happens is the Fire Nation, which is a very ambitious nation, uh, they decide to go on the attack. And they want to take control of the world because they believe the only peace can come through their control. And um, our series takes place where basically the avatar goes through a cycle where when the avatar passes away, they're born in another nation. So they go through the cycle of all four nations. And in this case, the current avatar is born in the air nomad nation. the air nomads, and um, the Fire Lord Sozin wants to annihilate them. So if he kills the Avatar, then he can control everything. And so that's kind of where the R series kicks yeah. off. And uh, for whatever reasons, uh, I, I don't want to ruin it for you, but the Avatar gets frozen in ice and disappears for 100 years. And in that time, 100 years of war, the Fire Nation has wreaked havoc upon the world. Uh, and then the Avatar does return. He's freed from his ice, and he has to learn. It's like Han Solo. Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's got to learn how to control all the elements because he's still he's only a 12 year old boy and so the weight of the world is on his shoulders everything he knows is gone and uh, it's a tremendous adventure journey uh, and along the way he he finds new friends uh, they become family and uh, I play one of the characters that is tasked to hunt him down and and bring him back you were describing to me how they shoot this, mm-hmm. and we've moved from being in a giant room full of green stuff and tennis balls on the end of sticks yeah. so you can have an eye line. Oh, yeah. You're, you're actually in, they use visual effects to place you in these places that you're, you know, these, oh, yeah. this fantasy realm. Yeah, it's the best way I can kind of describe it is sort of like a holodeck on Star Trek, you know, where they actually project images all around you. Now, it is used as background uh, more precisely. Uh, the wonderful things about using this technique is um, you can control the light, you can control the weather and the environment, yeah. and, and also it's far more immersive. So as an actor, what they'll do is they they will digitally project through via thousands and thousands of LED lights a high-definition image of a background or an environment that they will re- render beforehand and project. And as a performer, it's great because it's right there. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to act against a tennis ball and a stick anymore. Now, I always found that really distracting. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's... It's a certain skill set. Like, you have to have a good imagination for that. Yeah. And luckily, with the volume or stagecraft, that eliminates that. So you just, you don't have to worry about it as much anymore. Like, in your, in your performance as, a, as an actor, you're right there. And so it makes it a little bit easier that way when you know what you're acting against. You're not, uh, you can tailor your, your reactions to that a little bit more. You were on Kim's Convenience, of course, and I think the, the last occasion we talked was when they were airing the final episode. Right. Do people still buttonhole you on the street and think you're that guy? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a compliment because that means I've done my job well and yeah. it's, it's stuck with them. I mean, the last episode of Kim's Convenience was in, like, 2020, 2021, 2024, and people are still loving the show. They still find a lot of comfort in the show. Um, it's a show that's near and dear to my heart. I'm very, very grateful for 
having that experience and what it's done for my career and, and personally in my life, uh, my relationship with my parents, for example, this is that was the first show that they really, really understood and was really proud of. Well, I think you told me you were kind of playing your dad. I was, yeah. totally. I mean, I'm channeling my dad and all my those stubborn Korean men in my life, right? And so it, it was wonderful on so many levels, and I'll always be grateful for that. You talk about uh, Asian representation in media, and I find actually uh, almost all ethnic representation, the problem is somebody goes in, they're going to play a Russian mobster, mm. he's a humorless guy who could kill you. Maybe right. he's hilarious, like uh, Hank was on um, Bill Hader's show. Right. In the case of Asians, it's, you're always stoic wise men. <laughs> well, that generally is the, 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 you know, the stereotype yeah. that they played. And w what I like to do is like, you know, change it from stereotypes to archetypes because archetypes are something that you can build upon and they come across that way and you kind of go, oh, okay, it's kind of the stereotype. But the difference between that is the stereotype, that's what they stay. There's no growth. That's all they are all the way through. And with archetypes, you can present that and you can grow. And so, like, I would argue that Appa, for example, he's an archetype because he's got all these similar sort of characteristics and you kind of go, it's easy to pigeonhole him. But then through the course of the series, you see his growth. You see uh, the consequences of the decisions he makes, uh, you know, usually to very humorous effect, but there is character growth. And I love that. And all the best characters are based on archetypes. And that's when I talk about Asian representation, that's kind of what we want. We don't want to just be two-dimensional, we serve someone else's narrative. Mm -hmm. We want to be known, you know, shown as three-dimensional characters with wants, with fears, um, with needs, uh, capable of, of this whole range of emotions that everybody else is, and to drive our own narratives. Um, and, and that's, you know, as a performer, I'm of Asian heritage, uh, of Asian descent, and but I'm Canadian through and through as well. Uh, I just don't want to be limited because of the way I look. Uh, as well to, to be considered for other parts. It really is about representation really is as well about opportunity and to, to be allowed to find your voice to tell your stories and to play in other you know playgrounds that you're not allowed to like Star Wars yeah like Avatar um, years ago that that movie I was telling talking to about uh, Avatar the Last Airbender by M. Night Shyamalan he whitewashed the cast so you have worlds that are built uh, with and inspired by Asian culture but you're not going to cast people of those cultures in it you're going to put in you know, and that was an accepted practice. It's ironic at the time, that he would right? do that. Well, but that's what it was, that's the way it was. Yeah. This is what studios wanted. We now know more, which is great, and so that's the wonderful thing. We still got a ways to go, but the playing field is being leveled. And I think I've been saying this: everybody wins when every, when people find their voices, and we get to hear different stories. Okay, I'm up against traffic, but I had to ask you: what is the coolest collectible that you have? Oh my God! It's my light, uh, lightsabers and uh, my proton packs. Um, right, because you're a huge Ghostbusters yeah. fan. Yeah, yes. people forget that. But, yeah. Wow, okay. That must take up a lot of room. <laughs> yeah, don't talk to my wife about that. Yeah, that's always the problem when people have collections. <laughs>